We're concluding our stewardship series on the story of Nehemiah, and we're in chapter 8 today. After Nehemiah and the people have rebuilt the wall, um, Ezra and the people had had rebuilt the temple, Um, they had rebuilt the city of Jerusalem, and uh, it's all about actually not the physical structures, but, but the inner being, the spiritual part of the people. And now we see that they're rebuilding spiritually. They've rediscovered the Bible. The Bible has been read by the priest Ezra. And Nehemiah is leading the way. And uh, here's their response in Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning at verse 9. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who are instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. God's commands had convicted them. They, they felt guilt that they hadn't kept a lot of the commands of God. And so they, they were weeping and crying. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. This is the word of the Lord. Perspective makes all the difference. You know what that is? Perspective, how you see that, is either reality or not reality. Right? So, let me give you some examples about perspective and how important it is. Studies have shown, multiple studies have shown, that when uh, people with depression are in this study and some are treated with with depressive medication, with drugs and meds for depression, and another group is given sugar pills that do absolutely nothing, the sugar pills help about as many people as the actual meds do because of their therapeutic value. The, The perspective of people that think, wow, I'm being treated with medication for depression. I feel better. And they do. Right? That's the power of perspective. Or, uh, you know, it's, man, it's, it's football season, NBA has started, uh, 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 baseball playoffs, right? You have your sportsman's paradise, your, your share of games, and you're going to find one where the team that was supposed to win lost big. And a lot of times that has to do, they had the same team as they had the previous week, but their perspective going into the game was... They were probably underrating their opponent. They were going in psychologically thinking they were going to win, and bam, the big fall hard. That's perspective. A spiritual perspective also makes the difference between grief and generosity here in Nehemiah. So let me show you this picture again, and uh, it's not an eye. You know what it is? It's It's a sink with a drain in it, and there's suds all around the sink. See, so if your perspective was thinking that was an I, you're all together, you're on a different planet than reality. And uh, when we 
have a spiritual perspective. And here's what that means. A spiritual perspective means we see things exactly how God sees them. When we have that spiritual, biblical perspective, then we're working in reality. And then it's amazing what blessings we see and what blessings come our way. So Nehemiah and the people uh, experienced this. Let me give you a little background here to Nehemiah chapter 8. I said most of it before I read the, the Bible reading. Uh, the, the wall has been rebuilt. The people have listened to the Bible. They, in, in a sense, rediscovered the Bible, the Old Testament Bible. And they read it. Ezra the priest, their, their pastor, read it and, and preached on it. And Nehemiah made sure that it happened. And so now the people are, are gaining this spiritual perspective, right? It says they, they understood now. It became clear to them what this meant. And out of this spiritual perspective, they now realize, wow, there's a lot more going on here than building a wall, building a temple, building a city. We are being built as the people of God. Let me give you three specific examples of that here in Nehemiah chapter 8. I'm going to refer to each one by a reference from, the, from our reading in Nehemiah chapter 8 and also from the Beatitudes that we covered, Jesus' Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, because they really help explain those Beatitudes, how a spiritual perspective changes things and makes things different. So joy is the first one. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 5 verse 4 said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. All right, so you, you heard from Nehemiah 8 here all the grief and the weeping and the wailing that was going on because people were convicted by reading the Bible. In the Bible are commands of God. They read the commands of God. They realized we haven't been keeping the commands of God. And their hearts were convicted. They were sorry. That's good. We want that. We confess our sins every Sunday here at Holy Word. We want that, but we don't want to remain in a state of grief and sorrow and sadness. There's a time for grieving that's appropriate, but it's limited. And there are things for which and about which we shouldn't grieve at all. And sometimes we do. That's limited too, so God wants to limit this grief. You hear Nehemiah and Ezra saying this. So in Nehemiah 8, verses 11 and 12, the Levites calmed all the people saying, be still. Right? Stop your weeping and wailing. For this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Right? This is a holy day. God is a holy God. They're saying, see this day from God's perspective. See yourselves from God's perspective. It continues, then all the people went away to eat and to drink, to send portions of food. They shared, they were generous with others who didn't have any food. They sent their portions of food and to celebrate with great joy. I think Lutherans probably need to learn a little bit more about this joy stuff. Um, we tend to like guilt and like shame. And uh, it, it can become a self-medication of sorts that's not healthy. We stay there too long and in too many ways. Uh, the people are able to celebrate with great joy. Here's some good news. You may not always feel like you're happy. You may not always feel like you're filled with joy. But the Bible says, God's Word says, God's saying to you, you are my joy, right? Paul says that to the Thessalonians, and, he, and he's speaking uh, as a spokesman of God, 
the Bible says you are joy. Not just have joy. You are God's joy. Like God looked at his son at Jesus' baptism and transfiguration and said, with you I am well pleased. God says the same thing to you in his grace and mercy. You are God's joy. So when you don't feel like it, when you can't well yourself up to be joyful, just remember you, you already are. You're God's joy. That's why the Bible can say in Philippians 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. In Psalm 118, right? This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That's what Nehemiah and Ezra are telling people. This is the day the Lord has made. It's a holy day. Change your perspective and be joyful for the day. Second part, strength. Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. When you're scared or you're lonely or confused, it can be very helpful to have some company. When, when you're all by yourself, we tend to, to kind of spin ourselves into a whirlwind and a tornado and we ruminate and, and we make a, a, a mountain out of a molehill. But when someone else is there to hold your hand, or just you can talk to, or to, or to pray with you, it changes our perspective. When we, when we have someone by our side, we can see them. They're with us. So wouldn't it be great to see God? Wouldn't it be great in your, in your prayers to pray not just to someone who's invisible, but, but to God and like he's right there. That's what Jesus just said. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I think this is ultimately talking about heaven, where we'll lay our eyes on Jesus Christ, who is a physical, real being and real God, but it can even be true now, where with a perspective of a pure heart, my eyes of faith see God. He's real to me. And when he's real to me in my fear and my loneliness, that brings joy and strength. Uh, Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Paul can write, when I am weak, then I am strong. So, when you don't have what it takes, when you're overwhelmed, when you need to contribute to the relationship in a way that demands more from you than you're used to giving, when you have to make a decision and you just don't have all the facts in hand with clear understanding, but it's deadline time, the joy of the Lord is your strength. See God by eyes of faith. He's there. And be strong. Right? If God is for us, who can be against us? Paul writes in Romans. Thirdly, generosity. Uh, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. They will be called children of God. Ever have someone come up to you and say, you're different. What is it about you? How do I get what you have? Right? They're noticing that you're a child of God. And how do they notice that? Because you bring peace to the scene. Right? You react to uh, maybe they've mistreated you in some way or someone else has mistreated you and, and they see how you react and you don't fly off the handle. 
You don't lose it in front of everyone during the meeting. You're cool, calm, and collected. Why? Because you have the peace of God in your heart. And you exude that peace and you share that peace. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. You make peace in a situation. Maybe it's between you and another person. Maybe you come and you make peace by refereeing and by, by mediating. Or even ahead of time, just having the insight and the peacefulness of God to come onto the scene. But I tell you what, here's something even better yet as you bring peace. You as a child of God bring peace not just horizontally but vertically. Right? You bring people to have peace with God by witnessing to them, by sharing Jesus with them, and, and this otherworldly peace that our world does not have a recipe for real peace. We, tr- we strive for it. We put different recipes together. None of them work. Right? Jesus says, I have given to you what, what you can't find in the world, and that's peace. When you bring that to the scene, you bring people together and you give them peace with God. Um, that ultimately was the mission of Nehemiah and the people. All right, they, it was the reason they built the wall. It was the reason they rebuilt the temple in the city. It wasn't just to be a great city, a great wall. It wasn't just for protection from enemies. It was to bring glory to God and bring, bring people to God and help even all other nations see God. That's our mission too, is to bring peace to people. So where do you find that, um, that, that joy, that strength, that generosity? Because it can be hard sometimes. Where do you go get it? Here's the good news of God. It's a gift. God gives it to you. And you have it through faith. You don't have to manufacture it. Uh, you may not even know the, the exact recipe, but God still gives it to you. And here's something even better than that. Besides being something that, that, that comes to you, uh, Jesus calls you to this, this joy, this strength, this generosity. And besides just having it given to you, uh, st- joy and, and strength and generosity, I would say this, is a person. And that person is Jesus. Jesus is, is never not joy, right? Jesus is always joy. Even in his most sorrowful moments, Jesus has the joy of the Lord in his heart. Even when he's on the cross saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's a joy there. And joy isn't always giddy and jumping up and down and smiling and your hair's bouncing, and, right? And there's confetti falling from the sky. Joy isn't always that. Sometimes it's that. Joy can be a mother's tear as she's holding her newborn. Joy can be uh, reuniting with a, a, a husband who's returning from military service. Joy can be somewhat painfully writing down your, your giving plan on a yellow sheet and a blue sheet and knowing that that, that money will not be yours to use for the coming year. Right? Joy. Joy has many faces. Jesus had that joy, and Jesus is that joy. Jesus is strength. Jesus is generosity. Right? Jesus had, gave the ultimate sacrifice in his generous love for you, and he's yours. And he says, you are, you are like me. 
And so really, I would say, aren't we even as people, we are joy, we are strength, we are generosity, as Jesus makes us that way, our Savior. Let me share some words from, from Jesus when he talks about what's most important when it comes to joy and strength and generosity and what it looks like. These are from, uh, again, from his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. Right? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans, right, unbelievers, run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So Jesus says, you're not going to be running after those things. You might walk after them. You might be interested in them. But you don't need to run after them. You're not anxious about them. Jesus says, tell you what, here's what you're going to run after. But seek first his, that's God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Spiritual perspective. The spiritual comes first. And when the spiritual is first, when I'm seeking God first, everything else falls in line. When Jesus is in the right place in your heart, everything else, everything else is in its appropriate place in your life. Everything. So you probably heard the sad news about Chip and Joanna Gaines. This next season of Fixer Upper is their last season, season five, and then, then they've announced they're done. Unless this is fake news, but I don't think it's fake news. Um, they're done. So for those of you who, who enjoy the show, um, right, just a wholesome couple to watch. It's a great show. Uh, for a home improvement show, it really is. Just, just uh, a fun show to watch. Uh, and now, here's the deal. This, this headline Grab my attention. Uh, Time of Grace Ministry just came out with a blog that was posted, um, written by one of their bloggers, Diana. And, and the title of the blog is something like this. Why I am not sad that Fixer Upper is ending. Wow. That's a, that's a pretty big hit on a pretty decent show. Um, what, what does she have to say? I had to open up that blog and she made two excellent points. First and foremost, she said, it's an awesome show. Chip and, Chip and Joanna Gaines are, are giving glory to God. It, it's, they're not doing anything wrong. It's a great show. But she said, here's why I'm glad it's ending. She said, number one, I watch that show or other home improvement shows, and my heart starts to boil with discontentment. I see those homes that they fix up, and I'm I'm not content with my home. I see the potential of what I could do, and it drives me to, to covet something that God doesn't really want me to have. She said, it's not their issue, it's my issue, but that's why I'm glad it's ending, because it's not going to tempt me to covet. It's not going to tempt me to be discontent. She said, for that reason, I don't watch those home and garden and home improvement shows. Maybe, maybe guys, that, for that reason, we shouldn't go to Home Depot and Lowe's, huh? Um, that's not a rule, but it's a warning. Uh, I think she has wise words there. Number two, she said, I'm glad it's ending for this reason. Uh, she said, I'm actually glad for Chip and Joanna Gaines. I'm glad that they are making a faith-based decision 
that has a spiritual perspective to it that puts their priorities in place. And their family and their well-being is a higher priority than fame and fortune. Isn't that a fresh breath of air for, for the media scene and for network TV and for Hollywood? I know they don't live in Hollywood, but isn't... And, and so, right, Diana writes in her blog, that's, they're going to impact a lot of people with that decision. And they're a model for, Christ, for spiritual perspective. Seek first God's kingdom and his perspective and all these things will be given. She said, I'm so glad they're doing that as an example of Christian faith and priorities. It, what's important to God is important to them. So what is important to God? For all of you out there who have your own network show and are getting paid millions of dollars, you know, if you, if you cancel it, we'll understand. For those of you who don't have a network TV show and aren't making millions of dollars, you can still practice spiritual perspective and what's important to God. I'm going to show you three other things, similar things, in the story of Nehemiah that help us to do that. Number one, verse nine, says this. That this day, Nehemiah and Ezra are telling them, this day is holy to the Lord your God. If you go in your Bibles and read that, the word Lord is in capital letters, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. When in the Old Testament, the word Lord appears in capital letters, that represents a specific word and title for God, Yahweh. That's the Hebrew. We'll often say Jehovah, same word. And the meaning of that word really is I am. Jesus then echoes that in the New Testament in his many I am statements. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and life. Right? Very interesting connection. But that name for God, I am, means God is totally independent and free. Nobody buys him off. Nothing can corrupt him. He does not change his character, who he is. If he makes a promise, it will always come true for an eternity. Not, he's, I am. I, I will always be. He's everlasting. That we call that, we refer to that name um, for God, the Lord, Yahweh, and describe it in this way. He's the God of free and faithful grace. Free. Nobody can corrupt it or take it away. If he says it's yours, it's yours. It's faithful, it's always there. So the God of free and faithful grace is the God of forgiveness who brings his mercy to the scene. And that's, Ezra and Nehemiah say, this is the Lord's day. A capital L-O-R-D. This is the day of free and faithful forgiveness. People of God, don't weep anymore. Rejoice in the forgiveness of God. Number two, verse 12 says this, they now understood the words that had been made known to them. What's a priority to God besides forgiveness? A priority to God is clear gospel communication. And, I, and you're thinking, we need to communicate that back up a step. Okay, this is where we see the grace of God. Our God is a communicator. He's not a pot-bellied piece of bronze sitting cross-legged on a stoop and you have to figure out what he wants. 
Our God is a communicator. Do you know the key to any healthy relationship? Communication. Honest, true speaking and listening. God shows how close He wants you to be in relationship with Him by how much He says to you, by how clearly He communicates to you as a God. And where can you find God's clear communication? Is there enough of it around? Genesis to Revelation. When was the last time you read the Bible from cover to cover? There's more communication from God for us than we can even handle. And that means this, God is madly in love with you. God God wants a close relationship with you and he communicates clear gospel to you. Now we follow that up as a church, right? Our mission, your personal mission is to communicate the gospel, the good news of Jesus as clearly to others as God communicates to you. That's important to him. If we don't communicate to it, Paul writes in Romans 4, right? Or Romans 10, if we don't communicate the gospel, who's going to hear it and who's going to be saved? So it's important to God, it's important to us. Thirdly, Verse 12, then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy. Man, what's important to God is that we celebrate with joyful generosity because that shows God how much he's worth to us. And you can be generous with your time, generous with others, generous directly with God. Generous in many ways. Generous in your giving plan. Generous in your offerings. Generous in, in taking care of yourself. All that, that joyful generosity of celebration is a lifestyle. It's not just a place where we stand on a stage and maybe stand up and sing hymns and worship. It's a lifestyle. of Generosity. That's important to God. Why? Because it allows you to be in relationship with Him and show God how important He is to you. I want to share with you, as I, as I close up, examples of this in our church. I am thrilled that God is working spiritual blessings and physical blessings in our church. And sometimes it's really easy to not see them. Sometimes we'll, we'll filter our church experience through another church experience, maybe a previous one for us. Maybe there's a church experience that our neighbor is having. And they tell us about it, and man, I wish our, I wish our church was like that, right? I wish our pastor was like that. So we'll, we'll compare. Oftentimes, we won't pat. Pastors do that, too. We, uh, other pastors will tell me about their people, and I'll think, I wish my people were like that. Uh, and you think the same thing about me, that's okay. Um, but at some point, we've got to cap it and say, this is, this, is, this is where we are, and God, this is who you've given to me. And love of choice is the greatest love. And so for me, I choose to love you. You ain't perfect. And I choose to love you. And all I ask is you, for the same for me. I'm not perfect either, right? When we choose to love each other, that's the most powerful relationship. I just had to say that. Um, I wasn't blaming you for anything. See the C at our church, these blessings. Forgiveness, clear gospel communication, and, and joyful generosity celebrated. I, maybe I see more than you do, probably because I just hang out at this church a lot more and you pay me to do it. Uh, but let me share some with you. Maybe you've seen these, maybe you haven't. I see forgiveness at work here in our church. I see 
newcomers attending our Jesus Loves Me group. And you know how in, in Ephesians today, when we read Ephesians, it said um, how, how deep and wide and long and high is the love of Christ and that forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And newcomers are, are, are discovering the depth and the richness of Jesus' love for them in our Jesus Loves Me group. Um, over 15 people attending this, newcomers right now in our group. And I'm so happy for them. I get to sit with them every week and share Jesus, and they enriched me by, by how much they see is, is important in Jesus' ministry, and it starts with forgiveness. I see in marriage counseling, I see spouse forgive spouse and say, let's give it a second chance. I see parents forgiving their wayward children. I mean like bad wayward, like not just a little disobedience, but bad stuff. And I see parents persistently hanging in there with grit and joy, whether it's an 8-year-old, an 18-year-old, or a 38-year-old son or daughter, not giving up. And the only way you can do that is to live in forgiveness for that wayward child, just like God forgives all of wayward us, his children, right? Forgiveness is at work here and you love it, we proclaim it every Sunday. I don't hear from you. You know, if we had a lot more practical topics, if you just gave us more toolkits to, to how to do life, how to handle things, how to, how to manage our money, how to get along, um, I don't hear that and I'm glad. Because as important as that is, and the Bible has those things, it's not as important as you leaving every Sunday knowing that you are forgiven by God through Jesus and and there's no guilt and no shame. That's forgiveness. Clear gospel communication. I, I tell you what, we have ramped this up, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of what we're doing because it's getting Jesus out there. So I'm proud in the cross, and I'm proud in Christ. Um, we now have, at Holy Word, over a thousand views per month online of people who are watching our sermons, of people who are catching our podcasts, of SoundCloud audio, uh, of iTunes, of uh, face videos on Facebook. You put all those together and we have over a thousand people watching our stuff and getting clear gospel communication from us. We're putting it out there. And this is these people all over the world, Sweden, China, all over the United States. Um, God is blessing our spiritual perspective when we say, God, we want to make important to us what's important to you. And now he's blessing that. And, and the physical blessing of that, he's going to provide more resources for us to keep doing that thing. Finally, generosity. Where do I start? Um, when when I, I wanted to help with some hurricane relief after Hurricane Harvey and help the, the churches in our South Central District here in Texas, and specifically the coastal areas. We had churches in Edna and Victoria. Um, needing help. Um, it, it all worked out. God brought it all together. But one of the pieces that was causing me the most anxiety was this. Uh, we were able to use some trailers from Wells Christian Aid and Relief. And they have these rescue trailers that are stationed all over the country. And they sent us two of them. One of, one of them was a normal-sized trailer. Any pickup truck could pull it. One of them was an 18-foot trailer with double wheelbase, and it needed an extra heavy-duty pickup like an F-250 or bigger. 
you know, man-sized trucks. Uh, and they said, if you don't have that size truck, you, you, you're not going to pull this trailer. Um, I said, send the, send the trailer, we'll find something. Um, we actually then needed that, I needed to find a man-sized pickup truck, like in, in eight hours. So that could be arranged, done deal, and we could get this trailer down to Edna Victoria and get it back. Uh, I was ready for all the other things to come in place, and I was ready to work on this as hard as I could for the solid eight hours and, you know, and show God that I can handle it and you know, prove to myself that I could go find guys with pickup trucks. And all I had to do was put out one generic announcement, and within not eight hours, eight minutes, I had four men say, I have, a, I have a truck that size, I can haul the trailer to end the Victoria for, for your hurricane relief effort. Um, that's just God proving just his, his generosity to us and then our generosity and, and people putting that together. Your generosity on this Generosity Sunday, being willing to fill out giving plans, being willing to, to say to God, God, this is what I want to do, um, is the generosity of your heart. Uh, our brisket brunch the other Sunday, right? One of our men was up all night, Saturday night, smoking brisket for you. And man, it was good. That's a generous heart. Our regular crew of volunteers here every Sunday. I mean, uh, Matt and Amy and Sherry have been up here on stage 11 out of 10 Sundays, the last 11 Sundays. Right? And there's others of you that join them and others of you that do, their, do your part too. Um, we got, we got Dion filling in trailer driving today at last minute. Um, what you do on Sundays makes this happen. And is, your, is you celebrating. It's worship to God. Um, I think of our church president, and he's functioning, leading our congregation without the assistance of a vice president. We haven't had one the entire year. Uh, and fitting that in with his family and other priorities. That's generosity. And that's all it is is celebrating and saying, God, I want to give you the glory. Uh, I love seeing that. I thank you for it, and God thanks you for it, and keep it up. Uh, it's spiritual blessings, and it's physical blessings here at Holy Word. One final point. It's true of the people in Nehemiah's time, and it's true of you. When you face life with a spiritual perspective, it allows you to see, like you saw, right? You finally saw that what looked like an eye at the beginning of the sermon, and it's really a sink. When you see what God sees, it opens up your world. And literally, you, you enjoy a wider array of physical blessings, A, that you didn't know were there before, but now you know because, oh, that's a sink, right? Oh, there it is. When you have this spiritual perspective, you're simply seeing for the first time what's been there all along as a physical blessing in your life. Secondly, when that happens, you'll find that God entrusts you with more physical blessings. That, oh, now they, can, they see now. They can handle it now. Um, all in God's good grace. All in His perfect wisdom. And then here's the best part. This is, this is the conclusion. When you're at this place, it ain't just about you. God helps you in that spiritual perspective, blesses you in your faith, gives you stuff 
so that other people look at you like we're looking at Nehemiah and the people, and then you become a spiritual and a physical blessing to them. That's my prayer for you personally and my prayer for our church on this Generosity Sunday, every Sunday, all week, all year. Amen. Let's pray. God, you are good all the time. We just don't always see it. We have fickle hearts and foolish minds and we're flawed with our sin and so our prayer, God, is just please help us to see what you see. Bless us with a spiritual perspective like Nehemiah had in his leadership and the priest Ezra. A spiritual perspective that comes when, when your words in Scripture are opened up to us with new meaning and new understanding. Help our gospel communication here at Holy Word so that that can happen for us on a regular basis as we're in the Scriptures and as we meet for worship and we can help that to happen for others all around the world. Bless us in our efforts to do that as we gather giving plans today and funds in 2018 to go get more people with Jesus, to be your gospel communicators, and and for that to be a celebration in our own hearts of joyful generosity that shows how much you're worth to us and how much we're willing to do for you since you've been willing to do so much for us. Amen.